it's just a real pleasure to have him with us today and what God has put on his heart for the day. So uh, welcome, uh, Pastor Tim Miller. Um, it's a joy and a privilege to be here. I'm only sorry that I'm here because Pastor Bruce couldn't be here, but um, um, just pray for him. Um, I know his heart is here. He's probably wanting, I know when I would be sick, I'd be looking at my watch and think, well, this is what's happening and this is what's happening. So I know his heart is here and he would love to be here with you. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I, my first name's Charles, but I go by Tim because my parents were missionaries in Ecuador and the natives they were working with had a name for Timothy because they had, they had the Bible translated. They did have, not have a name for Charles so in their language. So I've been called Tim, or Timo is what they called me, uh, since I was born. So even now when I'm sitting in the doctor's office and they say, Charles Miller, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, oh, that's me. You know, so I have to get up and, and rush, to, rush to where the nurse is. But uh, um, I had the privilege of um, being born in, in Quito, Ecuador. At the time I was born, they did not have transportation. They didn't have roads back to where my parents were in Pano, in the headwaters of the Amazon River. So they had to go by mule back, and it took them about a month to get back, or excuse me, about a week to get back to Pano from uh, the staging area. So my mother went to Quito, and the capital city, with the hospital there, so um, before I was to be born, so that she wouldn't have to make that week-long trek at, towards the, at the end of my being born closely to that time. So my brother, oldest brother, David, who is 82 now and is working more than full-time as a translator in, at a hospital in Rome, Georgia, a, he and his wife retired from the mission field. They served in Ecuador, Colombia, and Costa Rica, and uh, um, he's still work, going strong. He's, th he's th thinking now that he might retire here soon. At 82, he's uh, um, working more than 40 hours a week as a translator. And He told me, he said, uh, especially when we go into uh, the maternity section, he said, I have to use words that mom would wash my mouth out with soap if she'd heard me say them when I'm translating from English into Spanish uh, for the doctors there. But he has a, a wonderful ministry with uh, uh, those who can't communicate in English and has made friends with them and they follow up and some are attending church with him and uh, God has really blessed him. He doesn't, he said, I don't look at it as a job, he said. It's a full-time ministry that God has blessed me with. But he was 13 when I was born, and so he acted as my father, in a sense, stood in for my dad, because my dad was down in the jungles at, in the mission, at the mission station there. I had the privilege of, uh, anybody ever hear of Jim Elliott, uh, one of the five martyr missionaries? Um, he had the mission station near us in Shandia, and I had the privilege of being dedicated to the Lord by uh, Jim Elliott. I was reading in his journal, and he said that I baptized Carl Miller, which Charles in Spanish is, is Carlos. Uh, so he was looking at my first name and wrote it down as, as Carl Miller. But what a privilege. And he was Episcopalian, so he baptized me, whereas my parents were there because they dedicated me to the Lord. And uh, what, a, what a privilege to have that upbringing and graduated from the Alliance Academy 
went to Sequoia Falls College, met the most beautiful woman in the world there, Sharon. Uh, he's been my girlfriend for 50 years and my wife for 49. And uh, uh, just, uh, I, I believed as a teenager that if I submitted to the will of God, he would have me marry some old hag. And uh, as I thought the worst, but uh, Sharon's the most beautiful girl I ever met and still is the most beautiful woman I've ever met. I just praise the Lord for her. She's beautiful inside and outside with a real sweet spirit. And she has to be to put up with me for 50 years, but uh, uh, a real blessing. She, I wish you'd remember Sharon in prayer. About a month ago, we found out that she has a, a rare disease that is causing internal bleeding. She's been struggling with low iron and um, just very weak. And Dr. Latuska had never seen it before, so he referred her to Pittsburgh. And we got in yesterday morning, we got in about four o'clock in the morning as we uh, went to Pittsburgh to the emergency room there because she's having severe pain in the liver area. And we were concerned that the medicine she was been put on where she has to, she says she has to shoot herself once a day and she takes a shot in, uh, in uh, her stomach area. Uh, to help um, help the the blood to clot, so that uh, they cut the bleeding back. And praise the Lord, all the tests show that her hemoglobin and her iron level are coming back to normal. Um, and we praise the Lord for that. But the offside uh, offshoot from that is that the medicine uh, can be very damaging to the liver, and so she's had to go on a on a uh, no fat, um, no red meat diet and to not have these stabbing pains that just take her breath away, just uh, paralyze her when, the, when that pain hits. But uh, pre please remember Sharon in prayer, as uh, these are tough days now. We know they're temporary, and once we get in to uh, see the, the doctors in Pittsburgh, I'm sure that they'll be able to work something out so that, uh, that uh, she can have full quality of, of life again. As John shared with you, I worked with him at Houtsdale Prison. I got into the prison uh, ministry, actually, I, I had to go a different route when it's very hard to get in as a chaplain, a Protestant chaplain in the prison system. So I went and I got my master's degree in, in counseling and I went in as a part of the psychology team at another prison. Uh, and then when an opening opened up for chaplain, I interviewed with 17 other guys, and praise the Lord, the door, door opened for me to go to Houtsdale as a the Protestant chaplain, and then promoted to the director of chaplaincy, from which I retired. Um, real ministry there, and I can speak personally for John. I know well, we would have conversations about how God was opening doors for him to minister to COs, to basically everybody at the prison. And it's a real fortress of evil, believe me. Um, it is, the men that are there are, are not good men. But the exciting thing is that I've seen stone-cold sinners and stone-cold killers um, break down and weep and confess their sins as I've had a privilege of ministering to them and, and welcoming them into the body of Christ. And they were changed, totally changed, completely changed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a real ministry in our prisons. Right now, volunteers aren't allowed to go in, but when COVID is in the rearview mirror, I wonder if it'll ever happen, 
But when it's in the rearview mirror and they open up for volunteers to go in the prison, I would encourage you to um, get involved in a prison ministry because it'll be one of the most rewarding uh, things that you that you'll ever be involved in, and uh, you just to be able to see the genuine change in people's lives, because prisoners are they've lost everything. They have no comfort zone. They uh, they're not caught up in their old way of life. They're looking at survival. And let me tell you, the answer to survival is Jesus Christ. And uh, we had the privilege of one Sunday, uh, we had a, a volunteer came in, he and his wife wanted to be there, and he came in and he preached, and we baptized 19 prisoners and into the family of God. So exciting things happen, and they're kind of behind the scenes, but uh, God is at work. God is at work, and it's exciting. Uh, it was an exciting ministry to be involved in. I'd like to share with you a little bit from Matthew uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 28 to uh, 30. And if you could put that up on, uh, there we go, uh, hugs. And you can see the little guy there. I think he's doing more hugging. I'm glad the elephant dried, didn't try to hug him back or he may not have survived. But uh, uh, I believe uh, that everyone needs at least three hugs a day. Uh, it's been shown uh, biologically that it's an encouragement and it gives you a better focus in life if you have some hugs. And so I don't know if, if uh, because of COVID, we're a little hesitant to do that. Um, but if the Lord leads you to give somebody a hug before you leave today, just uh, go for it. And anybody says anything, say, Pastor Tim said it was okay. Jesus said, uh, to those who were weary and those who were hurting. He said that he had something for them. Now, some of the people in the multitudes that followed him were there for the food, and some of them were there for the re recreation, and some of them were there to really see their lives change for healing, uh, for the ministry of Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you probably won't just hug anybody. Usually it's somebody that you have a friendship with. Um, and sometimes a close friendship, whether it be a spouse or a family member. But we have a friend named Jesus. And the, there's an answer to all the needs in the world and all the problems in the world. There's one word answer, and that's Jesus. Uh, he can meet any need, every need, as we surrender to him and let him have control of our lives. Um, we read in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Proverbs 18, 24. One who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Luke 7, 34. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. James 2, 23. And the scriptures was fulfilled that, day, that, that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. I'd like to 
sing in closing, not right now, but later. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, if we could, if, uh, if it's okay. Or if you have another song that wants to will fit in, uh, that's fine. I'll leave it up to the worship team. As we look at this passage, we look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. The first letter, H, for humble. Uh, can you read that? Okay, yeah. Um, now, somebody who is humble is not somebody who knows they're humble. Humility is a funny thing, that once you think you've got it, you've lost it. Um, Mac Davis used to sing a song, Oh God, it's hard to be humble. And he was everything but humble. Um, humility is a, not a person who goes around saying, Oh, I'm a terrible person. I do everything wrong. I'm no good. That's not humility. Humility is someone who goes around lifting other people up, who is an encouragement to other people, who is a friend to other people. Now, if you have a friend who's always putting you down to make themselves feel better, I hate to tell you, but they're not your friend. They're more like your frenemy. You know, um, a humble person doesn't need to make themselves feel better. They already feel better because of their relationship with Jesus Christ, that all I am that's good in me is Jesus. So I don't need to pretend to be good. I don't need to make myself look good. Jesus has already done that. And so I can go around lifting other people up and encouraging other people so that they too can find humility. Jesus is humble. That's one of his qualities. I am gentle and humble in heart. There's no more humble person than the God of gods, Jesus Christ. And in his humility, he groveled under that cross, withstood the shame for you and for me. He is our friend. And the exciting thing is that as we are followers of Jesus, we can be a friend to sinners. We can be a friend to others. I was visiting with my brother David and his wife Marilyn, uh, Marilyn has since gone to be with the Lord. And, uh, uh, but uh, Dave and Marilyn were invi- inviting a couple that worked uh, with, uh, that were, they, were, they were visiting uh, with the Peace Corps. And before they came, I looked out and I saw them putting out ashtrays. Now, my brother and his wife never smoked, never have smoked. But I said, what are you doing? And they said, Tim, these friends of ours that are with Peace Corps, uh, excuse me, could somebody get me a glass of water? I'm getting kind of dry up here. <coughs> not, not my sermon. Well, I hope my sermon's not dry, but uh, um, oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. Sorry to steal your water. And it's never been drunk from before. I'm opening it here. So. Thank you. Not only do you sing, but you help people out in need. Thank you. They were coming from the Peace Corps, and I said, why are you putting out ashtrays? And they said, well, our friends from the Peace Corps smoke. And we know that all smokers can only sit so long without getting a cigarette, without smoking. Excuse me. So we know that they need some place that they can smoke to be able to listen to us. 
And so that's what they did. Their friends from the Peace Corps came. They got out their cigarettes and sat there with Dave and Marilyn as Dave and Marilyn shared the gospel uh, with them while they were smoking. Um, we have to be careful that we don't put people down. Many times we shame people without even thinking about it, without even realizing it. And a humble person is someone who is very aware of that. They will not shame anybody um, to build re resistance from in that friendship. We can become friends and lead them to the gospel. And in our humility, we will, we will win them. You see, a humble person is somebody who doesn't put other people down, but lifts people up. Secondly, uh, we see unconditional love. When we read Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you have gotten your lives straightened out and are in good shape, and then I'll listen to you. It doesn't say that at all, does it? Jesus came to this earth for all who would turn to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him might have eternal life. We, don't, we can never make ourselves good enough for God. And he doesn't expect us to make ourselves good enough for God. Actually, you cannot become a better Christian than the Christian you became that moment you accepted Jesus Christ. Because you're already the best, best Christian you can be because it's by the work of grace. Now you can become a more obedient Christian. Uh, you can be a closer follower. But you can't improve on your goodness because it's all about Jesus. The only goodness we have is Jesus living in us. So he loves us unconditionally. He doesn't expect us to do this or do that. We, we have, you know, one of the problems many times is we have a tendency to try to be perfect. And perfectionists have unrealistic expectations of themselves and of other people. And so they constantly are setting themselves up to fail or setting other people up to fail in their in unrealistic expectations. Jesus has no unrealistic expectations for us. He loves us just as we are. And as we serve him and as we follow him, then we will become more obedient. But it's not because our, of our work. It's not by, work, uh, by works that we have done, but by his, by, by his righteousness that we are saved. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. Think about that. You are the righteousness of Jesus here in this church this morning. And he has given it to you unconditionally, no strings attached. Do you ever go around the day smiling all the time? And I found that the biggest reaction is, okay, what's he up to? Or what does he want? When you offer to do a good deed for somebody, isn't the reaction like, all right, what do they really want in return? It's unconditional. Uh, my neighbor on the right of our house has a bad heart. And he actually went to work and they sent him home because they didn't want him to die at work. So he struggled. So it's been exciting for me to be able to uh, run the snowblower, clean up their, their driveway, uh, shovel the ice out, and I mow their grass for them. Um, and it's not because of something I want to make myself feel better about, but I want to make a friendship with them. And we've invited them, to our, them into our home and, and had supper with them. And they're remodeling their kitchen and their dining room. And they said, as soon as that's done, we're, you're going to be the first ones we invite over to our house. And what a, what a joy. What a joy to have friends. They don't know the Lord. 
they have come from a religious background, and they are religious, but they are not saved. And so I'm looking forward to the day when I can just pray with them and see them accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, no strings attached. Uh, she, when, when I mow their grass, she says, what, uh, we need to pay you. And I said, no, not at all. She said, well, I'll make you some brownies. And now she says, well, as soon as our kitchen's fixed up and ready, I'll get your brownies for you. Uh, they feel kind of guilty, I think, that I'm helping them, not charging anything. But I just want to be their friends. And more than anything, I want to see Tim and Karen come to know the Lord. It's interesting because I'm, I'm Tim and my wife, Sharon, and they're Tim and Karen. So uh, it's, not, it's not hard for me to remember their names. Uh, but uh, pray for Tim and Karen. They're just uh, real sweet people. Um, I didn't know where the dump in Clearview was to to uh, um, dump the, all the leaves and tree limbs and stuff. And he said, well, come on, get in my truck. I'll take and show you. So we went and we talked and, and he opened up, started sharing some things with me that kind of shocked me. But uh, I was glad that I was able to be there. His brother just died and he started talking about his brother and his loss. And uh, shocked me in that he opened up because he comes across as a tough, rugged uh, worker. And, uh, but yeah, there's a heart inside him that is soft and open and so I'm so glad uh, for that. But unconditional love, doing things for people without strings attached. That's what Jesus did for us, right? Everything he does for us is with no strings attached, just out of his love for us. Unconditional love. Next letter is the letter G for gentle. Jesus said there, take my yoke upon you and learn from me in verse 29, for I am gentle. I am gentle. Now, somebody who's gentle is someone who won't harm us. Someone who is very conscious of our needs and very careful not to harm us. And going back to we have to be careful because many times, and it's sad that Christians have become known for shaming people into accepting Christ. And uh, uh, we can't do that. Uh, even with, I remember when the big issue about wearing masks and and there was an elder in the church where I had pastored uh, for a number of years. And when all this came up, and I spoke up, and I said, we need to be very careful that if we don't wear masks, that we don't shame people into thinking that their faith is weak. Or if we do wear masks, we are careful we don't shame people into thinking that we think that, uh, that they're not conscious of the needs of others. It's uh, so easy to shame people without even realizing. But a person who's gentle will not shame us. Will not shame us. They want us to welcome. They want to welcome us just as we are. And I remember I was pastoring, associate pastor in a church. I was associate pastor of counseling in small groups. And there was a guy that worked in the back there with a the sound, and he always wore shorts. And uh, I thought that's really neat. And so we were talking about it. He said, I wear shorts because there are guys that don't have regular clothes to wear to church, and I want them to feel more comfortable that they're not the only person wearing shorts here in church. Uh, we have to be careful because sometimes we come across the other way. I remember my wife went with a pastor's wife to visit a young lady, and the young lady said, I'm sorry, I don't have clothes that are appropriate for church. And the response from this pastor's wife was, well, when you get clothes that are appropriate, then you can come to church. And I heard that, and I just, I just cringed inside. 
um, because it's not what we wear, it's the fact that we're here, that we're here and that others are here. So we have to be careful that we don't put some, so much emphasis on the outside that we don't let people be reached on the inside. Um, and so we need to be gentle. Um, a person who, when you hug somebody, you're trusting them to be gentle with you. I don't know if any of you saw the, the film. I know growing up we didn't call them movies, we called them films. Um, anybody saw the, the, the film of the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the guys that, that fought in Rome uh, for, uh, in the Colosseum? Um, I'm sorry? Gladiators, yes. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Gladiator, but, um, but the gladiator was hugging the emperor and the emperor stabbed him in the back. Um, and so when we hug somebody, we're trusting them that they're not going to harm us. They're not going to stab us in the back. And the only way that we can build a trust relationship with individuals to be our friend is that they will trust us to be gentle. Uh, they will trust us to be humble. Um, being gentle is what it's all about. I remember the story of a pastor who moved into a community in Missouri and uh, back in the Old West, and he was think, praying and thinking, he said, How, what can I do to, to get the attention of people so that I can build friendships with people? And he thought, oh, I know what I'll do. So he bought a mule. And he taught that mule that uh, when he said, praise the Lord, it was like giddy up, and the mule would take off. And when he said amen, he would, the, he would be able to hold back on the reins and the mule would stop. And it got to the point where when he said, praise the Lord, that mule took off like a shot. And when he, when he wanted to stop, he'd say amen, and that mule would just come down on its hunkers and d- dust everywhere and would stop. Well, one of the elders in the church had said to him, Pastor, if you ever, if you ever need to sell or want to sell your mule, I'd, I'd love to buy it. Well, the church grew, and um, he got a call from a larger city church. Excuse me. He got a a call from a larger uh, city church, and he couldn't take his mule with him. So he called the elder, and he he called the elder over and stopped in to see him, rather, and um, said, you know, if you want to buy the mule, you you can buy it. So the elder bought the mule, and he got on the mule and said, giddy up. Oh, I mean, praise the Lord. And he had to hold on so he didn't fall off the back of the mule because it just took off. And uh, he said, okay, whoa, 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 no, oh, amen. And it, it, it slid on its hunkers and it stopped. See, this is great. This is fantastic. So he says, praise the Lord. And the mule takes off and he's enjoying. The, the mule was actually running so fast that his tears were streaming back in his face. And he was just enjoying the day and then all of a sudden realized he was coming to a cliff. And he went, whoa, 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 and it didn't stop, and it didn't stop. He said, oh, amen, and it slid his hunkers, and he, just, he was left looking over the cliff. He took out his handkerchief and said, praise the Lord. <laughs> People are watching us. And the way that they will respect us is not by how good we are. It's about how humble we are. It's by how gentle we are. It's by our doing for things for them without strings attached. That they're never in debt to us. 
um, because we're there for them. The last letter, the letter S, I remember a friend of mine telling me that uh, he was, when he could get up to preach, his wife would send him a, a note and he'd give it to the elder or one of the ushers rather and the usher would come around, give it to him. He'd open it up and smile and put it in his pocket. And this happened Sunday after Sunday. And the usher kind of got curious. I wonder what's in that note. So one Sunday morning when he got the note from the pastor's wife, he kind of accidentally dropped it on purpose. And while he was picking it up, it accidentally opened up so he could read it. And it's, it was a kiss. You thought, isn't that really something? Before he gets up to preach, she sends him a kiss every Sunday. So the sermon that Sunday was on honesty. And he was convicted. <laughs> and then he went to the altar. And who would come to pray with him but the pastor? So he's, Pastor, I have to confess that I read your note. But I think it's so awesome that your wife sends you a kiss every Sunday morning before church. And the pastor said, that's not what it means. It means keep it short and simple. <laughs> a reminder every Sunday. I remember one Sunday I was preaching Sunday night. I was preaching Clearfield before we were sent out by the Clearfield Alliance Church to the Kentucky Mountains to do our home service to be missionaries. And uh, when I preached, I gave the, uh, the altar call, and the altar was lined. And I thought, wow, this is great. So afterwards, I thought, okay, it's safe to ask my, my wife what she thought of my message. And she said words that are indelibly imprinted on my mind. She said, Tim, that just shows the Holy Spirit can use anything. <laughs> and let me tell you, as a team with God, the Holy Spirit can use anything. We just need to keep it simple. And we need to remember that the yoke that Jesus puts on us is easy and light. He keeps it simple. We can overcomplicate things so quickly. And we just need to keep it simple in our ministry to each other in our ministry to others. Just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. The Holy Spirit can use anything. Anything. He can use you. I think one of the greatest detriments to people being involved in church ministry and working in the church is the fear of criticism fear of criticism. The pastor was once teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, and a woman came up and she said, I have the gift of criticism. And he said, I recommend that you do with that what the man with the one talent had. Take it out and bury it. There is more than enough criticism in the church to keep the church from going anywhere. We need to be encouragements to other people. We need to keep it simple. We need to be humble. We need to be gentle and show unconditional love. That no matter what you do, it's great. I remember the first drawing that my son brought to me, and I looked at it, and I thought, that is really good. It really wasn't, but I told him it was really good. 
And now he can draw. It's amazing how what things he can draw. And my granddaughter who lives with us, our, our oldest son had a brain injury when he went in for a, um, uh, uh, my mind's gone blank here this morning. I'm getting old. Uh, but uh, he went in for an MRI. And during the MRI, he had a reaction to the, to the dye that they put in him. And he went into anaphylactic shock, stopped breathing, and went into cardiac arrest right in the, on the, in the MRI. The doctors had never had that happen before. They had a, a button that the technician could push to get help from all over the hospital. And the, she pushed the button, nobody came. And uh, she had to leave my son there by himself. She hated to leave him unattended to but she ran down to another doctor's office. Uh, he walked down in the emergency room and saw the emergency room doctor up on a chair trying to figure out what that high-pitched sound was, which was the alarm. And then they walked back to where my son was. And in that process, um, he uh, was in a coma for eight days. Um, when we brought him home from uh, the rehab center, we had to potty train him. We had, he was 41 years old at the time. Um, he had to uh, learn to walk again. Um, they said they did a non-contrast MRI of his brain at Presby, and they said his brain looked like Swiss cheese, um, that so many parts of it were dead. It affected his hearing, his optical nerve, the little hairs in his ears uh, died because of lack of oxygen. It affected his uh, sense of smell and taste, things that he used to love to eat he doesn't like now. Um, it all goes by texture and uh, he's more aware of texture than of taste. And, uh, but he's been a blessing with us, a blessing to us. I have never heard him complain. I've never heard him in self-pity or resentment. Um, he can't come to church without just bawling his eyes out out of gratitude for what God has done for him. Um, I tell him he's my hero. He's my hero, and he is everything I've talked about this morning. He's humble. Uh, he has demonstrates unconditional love, and when we inherited our son, we also inherited his two uh, daughters, and uh, um, the youngest one is still home with us, and she is an amazing artist, uh, and she got that talent from her dad, uh, who uh, it was an amazing artist as well. But she, had, uh, she won a $30 gift certificate uh, entering one of her pictures, uh, drawings of a, a man's face. And it, it was just, it was lifelike. Uh, I was waiting for him to talk to me, you know, when, uh, how, how lifelike it was. Um, but encouraging her, encouraging her. She kept saying when it was time to go take driving lessons and take her test, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I would say to her, I have more confidence than you do. I have more confidence in you than you do. And you can do this. You can do this. And once she got her driver's license, it's like confidence took over. And um, she's like a different person. I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord that we had the privilege of having part in, in her uh, upraising. God is good. God is awesome. Uh, he encourages us out of our comfort zone so that we can do things that we never thought we could do. But it's all God. It's all God. Now your assignment before you leave today is to, is to encourage three people. Tell them something you like about them. 
be an encouragement today to at least three people. I know I, I did this before, and they came up to me and said, Pastor, I couldn't stop at three. <laughs> Once I got started telling people how much I appreciated them, it just, it just, I, it just flowed out to everybody I talked to. Um, we don't hear our good qualities enough. We hear our qualities that aren't so good pointed out to us, but it's rare that we have our good qualities pointed out to us. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, but... I don't know, I guess people are afraid they'll get taken advantage of if, if they tell you something they like about you. But uh, it's unconditional. Um, just, I'd encourage you to talk to three people. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're here and, and Jesus is not your friend, he can be your friend before you leave here today. He can be your friend. And he can transform your life and he can give you a life of joy and peace and excitement in the walk in, with Christ. It's a whole different world with Jesus than it is without Jesus. And if you've never prayed that sinner's prayer and asked Christ to come into your heart, please do it before you leave this morning. In fact, the altar is here. It's open for you if you'd like to come. Uh, the worship team would come, or I'm not sure how you close this, but I want to thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. I, I have enjoyed my time with you all. What a friend we have in Jesus. Is that okay to do that? And uh, um, he can be your friend. If he's not your friend, he can be your friend today. Will you come? Hello. It's in number 439 in your hymnal. Shall we stand?
Numbers 6, 24 to 26 in the New Living Translation says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon each one here today. And we thank you for the friend that we have in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.